0: You have probably, like me, sat down with a list of things to pray through and and begun to bring to God concerns for yourself, concerns for loved ones, concerns for the world, asking God to work miracles, to do what only He can do. You've also probably, like me, attended a prayer meeting where you've sat with a group of people and you've collectively shared your hearts with one another and then taken our prayer requests before the Lord. Based on this podcast series, we want to explore how do we do that really, really well. Well, that's what this podcast episode is all about, so let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Becoming People of Prayer podcast, a podcast designed to explore the spiritual discipline of prayer and hopefully help you and me in becoming people who pray. Well, we don't have to read a lot in the New Testament to see that we're instructed To pray. All over the place we are instructed to pray. Uh, In James chapter 5, we read this a bit longer chunk of scripture, but it, it goes like this Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise, which is like a type of prayer. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and what? Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he what? He prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. That's James James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. So, this is a ver- verses among many other verses in the New Testament that encourage you and I to be people who pray. Uh, we look in the Gospels. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, says to us, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. In John chapter 14, we have Jesus giving us what seems like a blank check of prayer, saying to us that whatever we ask in his name, it will be given to us. So, all over scripture, we see the importance of us praying. Uh, Paul Miller Suggests that if we were to summarize Jesus' teaching on prayer in one word, it would be ask. Ask. We need to ask. And there's just something so amazing about our God in that He's created the world in such a way that though He has all the power, all the knowledge, all the authority, all the ability to make anything happen that He wants to happen, He's created a world in which our prayers actually do something. You know, it's it's like God has this workshop where he has all these projects he wants to engage and all these things he wants to do. But he looks at us, his children, and he invites us to come into that workshop, to come into that space and to help him. You know, I have a, a young daughter. She's not even two years old yet. But I actively try to think of ways I can involve her in different tasks that I'm doing. So maybe I'm folding laundry and I have her uh, come with me and we're, we're folding laundry. I'm putting socks together. I'm folding t-shirts and, and she's sitting next to me. And she will very often pick up a shirt and unfold it or take socks and kind of throw them around. Well, looking at that scenario, you would say that um, that she's not really helping But for me, as her dad, I I would say, of course she's helping. She's here with me. She's participating in the work that I am doing. And I love spending time with her. So as the Bible is, is teaching us the importance of prayer, I hope that you hear this invitation of our loving Father for us to join with Him in the work that He is doing. You know, God is up to something in this world. God is interested in in making all things right again. God is interested in seeing the sick healed. God is interested in seeing the dead raised back to life. You know, and as as Christians, we, we look around the world and we see so much pain, so much suffering, so many things that aren't going well. And there's this desire in us, isn't there, that all would be made right. Well, God has invited you and he's invited me to participate in that work of making things right, to go into the world and, and find that which is right and beautiful and good and, and just bring more life to those things. And one way that we do that is through prayer. So when we pray, when we bring our requests to God, you need to realize that you are participating in his work. You are joining with him in his workshop. Now, this is a beautiful thought, isn't it? I absolutely love it. When I think of my little daughter helping me fold laundry, and I think of the joy it brings me, I just it just is almost too big of a thought to consider that God loves having me join with him in doing his work in the world through prayer. It's an amazing thing. But remember, um, in a few episodes earlier, before this one, and maybe you haven't listened to those ones, and that's totally fine, I talk about a problem that can happen in prayer. And that problem is that we approach God not like He's a loving Father, but rather we come to Him as if He's a vending machine. And I think you know what I mean when I say this, right? It's like it's like God is this big box, and within the big box is contained all the things that we want. And we approach this box and we hope that if we put in the right thing, that we will receive the thing that we want, right? And and maybe it sounds simple, but I think we do this all the time. We think to ourselves, well, if I just pray the right words, if I say the right thing, if I petition God in the right way, then he will just give to me whatever it is that I want. And if we're not careful, our prayer requests can be like that before God. Or we just treat them like a vending machine. Well, friends, you think about that vending machine illustration, and then think about that wood shop <laughs> illustration. They're two very different things, aren't they? God is not to be this distant box that we somehow approach in the right way and receive the things that we want from. That's not how it works. That's not how it was never ever meant to work. Rather, in prayer, there's an invitation to participate with Him in His work. So, how do we do that? Well, I think we need to remember all that we've been talking about so far in this class. We've been talking about how prayer is, is, is what's unique in Christian prayer is this reality that we pray to a Father, right? He's our Father God. We pray through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how um, prayer is a response to the speech of God, right? This reality that God has actually said something to us and he's invited us to respond to that speech. So in prayer, we see that it, it is this incredibly relational thing. That prayer isn't just walking up to this box, but rather prayer is communing with God, our Father, right? We talked about this in earlier episodes that um, through prayer, we spend time with God. We, we come before Him, we, we experience life in His presence. We we delight in sitting with Him and, and spending that time. And so if we're going to think about that in light of prayer requests, I think we need to understand that our prayer requests, the things we bring to God, need to flow from that place of communing prayer. That as we spend time with God, as we hear about His heart and His will and His desires, Um, we, we, from that place, turn back to him and say, God, will you work in this situation? Will you work in that situation? As we commune with God, our requests seek to come from a place of unity with his will. No longer is God then a vending machine, but rather we see him and approach him as that loving father. And I think this makes a lot of sense when we look at the verses I brought up earlier. Matthew chapter 7, ask you will receive, seek you will find, knock the door will be open to you. Well, this whole teaching is, uh, is placed within the Sermon on the Mount. And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, this is where Jesus teaches us how to pray, where he says that we pray to our Father. And it's, the Sermon on the Mount is also Jesus giving us his teaching of, of how to live and, and, and how to engage in life in a way that we experience fullness of life. And to me, there's something in that that we we hear this invitation to ask and seek and knock in the context of Jesus' teaching of how to live life to the full. And it's almost like he's saying, hey, if there's confusion around this, if you're wondering how to live this life to the full, just come to me and ask. It's an invitation to be with him, not an invitation to demand something from him. In the context of John 14, if you remember, john 14 where jesus says i am the way the truth and the life and then he says he's going to the father but he's going to send us the holy spirit and it's in this context that he invites us to realize that if we ask anything in his name anything in his name it will be given to us well all of this is in the context of living life on mission you know, Jesus says in, in John 14 that uh, we're going to do greater works than Him. And so when we think about all of this, it's like, well, Jesus is saying, well, as you engage in life the way that I've called you to engage in life, as you're seeking to further and to accomplish the mission that I began while I was on earth, you're probably going to feel under-resourced. So come and ask. Again, so we, we come to Him, align with His will, asking for things in accordance to his will. And of course, he's going to give those things to us. It empowers us on mission and the mission that he's called us to. And Richard Foster, um, in his book on prayer, talks about praying in Jesus' name. And he's referencing this passage in John 14. And he, he, he references this idea that praying in Jesus' name is to pray in accordance with the way and the nature of Christ. In an earlier episode, we, we talked about how the name of Jesus gives us access to God. and That's very true. Uh, Richard Foster here is adding a layer to that, where not only is it giving us access to God, but praying in Jesus' name is also us saying that we're praying uh, in accordance to the nature and the will of Jesus. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? And I believe that for us to even be able to do that, For us to be able to pray in Jesus' name appropriately and properly, our prayers have to flow from this place of communing prayer. In addition to that, our our prayers have to flow and be rooted in what? I've talked about it many times. Rooted in God's Word. And God's will is revealed to us in His Word. So we pray and ask, we make requests, we spend time with God all in accordance to His Word. Okay, so we got this foundation now, right, that when it comes to us making prayer requests, they need to flow from that place of communing with God. I think we've talked about that enough. Let's dive into a bit more of what are prayer requests and how do we make prayer requests well. Well, very simply, if we were to break prayer requests into two categories, we could say that there's prayer requests that are for ourselves. We might call those prayers of petition, And then we have prayer requests that are for other people or other things. We might call those intercession. And whether we're praying prayers of petition or prayers of intercession, asking is at the heart of both of these experiences. Both of these things should flow from our hearts. Again, Richard Foster says that this type of prayer, this asking prayer should be our staple diet. That in a childlike act of faith, we bring our daily needs and our desires to our Heavenly Father. And the reality is that, that God actually desires this authentic dialogue. Again, we look, out, we look at Scripture and like God is inviting us to ask. God, our Heavenly Father, He loves to be asked. There's nothing out of bounds when it comes to us petitioning God for something. There's nothing we shouldn't ask for. Again, I think the way we ask is important, which comes back to that communing element. But the reality is that there's nothing in us that should be out of bounds. Um, We should be able to bring everything to God. A cool picture for this is, you know, if you're a parent, or maybe you're you're younger, and maybe you can think back to those moments at the end of a day, come home from school, your kids come home from school, and you're all sitting around the dinner table, And mom and dad ask that question that they ask every day, or maybe you're a parent and you ask that question to your kids. How was your day? Tell me about your day. And most kids will just roll their eyes and be like, oh, why do you care? Well, any parent, any loving parent, wants to hear all the details of their kid's day. Any loving parent wants to know the details of their kid's lives, right? It's not because they're nosy. because they genuinely love their kids. And I think there's that reality at place in our relationship with God. God delights to hear and to know our hearts. Uh, Psalm 139 tells us that he actually already knows all of those things, but he desires that authentic dialogue where we bring to him the things on our hearts. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 speaks to this, where, where it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, God loves to hear our petitions. God loves to hear our intercessions. We're going to talk a bit more about inter, uh, we're going to talk a bit more about petitions in the next episode, this idea of praying for ourselves. But in this episode, I want to hone in more on intercession. So, intercessory prayer, again, is is praying for other people or for other things. The picture we get in scripture is is of um, a war that's taking place in the Old Testament. Joshua is leading the battle and Moses is praying for victory and God instructs Moses to raise his hands. And and so Moses is there raising his hands and as his hands are raised, the Israel army is winning. When his arms go down, the Israel army is losing. Um And you can imagine having your hands above your head that your arms would get a little bit tired. Well, what ends up happening is two people come alongside Moses and they hold his hands above his head. You know, there's people we know in our lives who are going through seasons where they need their hands raised. That, that For some reason, there's, there's things they need to get through. There's things they're struggling through. Intercession prayer is like coming alongside them and raising their hands. It's bringing them before God. Richard Foster, again, has this great quote about intercessory prayer. And he says, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Man, I can relate to that. So many times there's people I love and I desire something for them that I can't give them. Often, though, I don't let that lead me to prayer. But I should. And as we bring these things to God in prayer, we can trust that God is going to do a work in people's lives. But I want to come back to what we've been talking about already. We need to do this also from a place of communing prayer. You know, it's so tempting to just bring a list to God, right? To have an experience with a person is like, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I want to suggest to us that our prayers um, are going to be strengthened if we learn to slow ourselves down and commune with God before we make these intercessory prayers. Really simply, that means that before we jump into praying for someone, we we sit and we ask God questions. You know, our prayer might be, God, you you know, my brother and my sister, they're they're struggling. God, God, what's your desire for them? What is your will for them? What are you trying to do in their lives in this season? God, so-and-so is sick. You know that. You see that. You haven't healed them yet. God, how do you want me to pray for them? And as we enter into a time with God, seeking to be with Him before bringing Him these requests, just imagine how much more rich that time of prayer will be when we come back to God with the things we feel He's placed on our hearts for those other people. And as we do this, I believe that we move more and more into being people who are praying um, in accordance to God's will, which means we're praying in the name of Jesus. And in addition to this, instead of maybe um, just bringing these prayer requests as intercessory prayers, maybe we're reading the Bible in our own personal time with the Lord and in His Word and and we read a verse or we're reminded of someone or a situation as we read. That is a great time for us to stop and spend some time in intercessory prayer. You know, we could go back to that verse in Philippians. Do, do not be anxious about anything. And maybe when we read that, we think about someone, be it our child or our spouse. And we can stop and say, God, your word says not to be anxious about anything. But man, my spouse, is they're struggling with anxiety right now. And then we go on to continue the prayer, right? So Father, would you help them to bring you their anxieties? God, help them to see you in the midst of this stress. God, help them to to see you and experience you. And experience you as their God of peace. And in that way, we can pray scripture over over people, that the request for them comes from the word of God itself. Now, you might be listening to me and, and now you're thinking to yourself, Adam, this is great. But I've prayed for years about certain things, and I just don't feel like God's answering. C.S. Lewis notes that every war, every famine, every plague, almost every deathbed is the monument to a petition or an intercession that was not granted. Well, that's a profound statement, and I think it's one that you and I can relate to. That there's so many things in the world that we feel like God has chosen not to answer prayers. Why is that? Well, again, Richard Foster lays out a few ideas for us around this. And and it's a very big topic, but just quickly, hopefully some of these ideas will, will bring you comfort and encourage you in continuing in prayer. Foster first points out that God's grace is sometimes a reason our prayers are not answered in the way we think they should be. There's this reality that you and I can be short-sighted. There's this reality that um, the answers to our prayers might be detrimental to other people. It might harm other people. It might actually harm us. So God, in His grace, chooses not to answer those prayers the way that we want them answered. Because He recognizes that you and I can be so short-sighted. This leads to the second reason. Sometimes our prayers are unanswered simply because of God's perspective. You know, Isaiah chapter 55 talks about how God's thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher than our thoughts. That God's ways are not our ways. They are higher than our ways. They are better than our ways. And there's a reality in that, that as we desire a certain situation or a certain outcome to be in accordance to our will, If we had God's perspective for maybe even a second, we would see that we're praying all the wrong prayers. You know, Garth Brooks, a famous country singer, has a song where he says, I I thank God for unanswered prayers. And in the verses, he talks about, you know, liking a girl in junior high school and praying that she would become his wife. and, And then now as an adult, looking back and being happily married to a different woman, thinking to himself, man, I'm glad God didn't answer that prayer. You know, and that's just a silly example, but I think in so many areas of our lives, we don't really know what we're praying for. We think we do. We think we know what we want. But God's perspective, his thoughts, his ways are higher. Thirdly, Richard Foster points to our sin being an issue that sometimes keeps prayers from being answered. Now, Richard Foster and myself, um, I appreciate that he does this, what he is not saying when he points to sin, and I would totally agree with him, is what what he's not saying is that you and I don't have to be perfect and all put together for God to answer our prayers. Now, a lot of times people will actually teach this, that God is not answering your prayer because there is sin in your life. Now, if that was true, if that statement is true, then everyone who's a Christian has a lot of issues, right? None of us are sinless. We are all in trouble of God not answering any of our prayers because of the sin in our lives, and if that is someone's theology or perspective that God is not answering a prayer because there's sin in their life, I just I I really caution you listening to that teaching, because my understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus is the one who is perfect, Jesus is the one who is interceding on our behalf, and so. The sin in our lives is that doesn't become a blockade to God hearing our prayer requests. And why is that? Because we don't pray in our name; we pray in the name of Jesus. And us thinking that we somehow have to be perfect and all put together for God to hear us means that we're trying to pray in our way, not in God's way, not in the name of Jesus. And and so it's, that's not what we mean by sin. Now, what we do mean by sin is that. Oftentimes, our sin causes us to lose fellowship with God. Remember, sin is doing life our own way. When we're doing life our own way, we're not doing life God's way. And if we're walking in that way of sin, the desires and the things that we want will likely not be lined up with God's will. Uh, James talks about this when he says that um, people aren't receiving because they don't ask. Then he goes on to say that some of you are asking, but you're not receiving because you're asking incorrectly because of your selfish desires. He's saying you're asking out of the sin in your life. You're wanting God to do things for you, thinking that he should make your life more comfortable and better, but it's based on the sin in your life. It's based on your ways, not God's ways. So, of course, God's not going to answer that prayer. So, that separation can lead to us praying prayers that God simply isn't going to answer. The contrast to this is a life lived in a posture of repentance. Where we're saying, God, I desire your ways. God, I recognize that I am prone to walk in my own ways. Help me walk the way that you want me to walk. Help me to live a life that you want me to live. And as we seek to be in fellowship with God, we will find that the things we are praying aligns with his heart more than it aligns with our own hearts. And lastly, um, a reason I think that some of our prayers don't get answered is that we are double-minded when we make our prayers. Again, uh, James talks about this in James chapter 1. The whole issue of double-mindedness is when we pray for one thing and then live life in a way that is contrary to that prayer being answered. Again, prayer of, prayers of intercession is us participating in God's work. God has invited us to participate, and it's not just in our words, but it is in our deeds as well. An example of this, uh, something that I've seen a lot of times that I'm hesitant to bring up because I don't want to be judgmental, um, but but it's like when, when parents are praying for their kids to know God, when parents are praying that their kids would walk with God and follow God and, and love God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and strength, but then invest time and energies and, and money and, and their whole lives into things that that don't foster that, well, how is God going to answer their prayer? You know, if you're praying that they would love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, but then the investment of time and energy that you're allowing your kid or, or helping your kid to, to put their time and energy into is, is more about sports and academics, you shouldn't be surprised When down the road in life, they're choosing sports and academics over God. As parents, we can't just pray for our kids' salvation. We have to be actively involved in helping them learn to walk the ways that God desires them to walk. We have to show them how to prioritize their time and their commitments. We have to demonstrate to them what a life of loving God looks like. It's not the simplicity of just praying the right prayers. It's us participating in that work through our actions, through helping our kids make good choices and and good commitments, which might mean that they're saying no to sport um, tournaments on the weekend that keep them from church, which might mean that they say no to commitments that keep them from being in fellowship with other Christians. So the prayer of double-mindedness is something we need to be very cautious of. We can't just pray that God would bless us and then continue living life contrary to the way that He desires us to. That's a double-minded prayer. Well, this is just skimming the surface on this whole topic of unanswered prayer. It, It goes on and on. But again, what I want to get back to is this whole idea that as we make prayer requests, as we pray for other people, we need to let those requests and those prayers flow from a place where we are communing with God where we're spending time with God, that we're getting to hear his voice and his heart. And from that place, we come before him with our requests and we say, Dad, you know, these are some things I'd love for you to work in these areas. So I hope that in listening to this, you are encouraged, encouraged to spend more time with our Heavenly Father, that you are encouraged to share your heart with our Heavenly Father, to make your requests known to him and to be someone who prays. Well, thank you for listening to the Becoming People of Prayer podcast series. This podcast series is a part of the Equip podcast put out by Twilliger Community Church. You can learn more about Twilliger Community Church by visiting tcchurch.ca. I invite you to subscribe to and share this podcast with others, as well as to take the thoughts and the concepts from this episode and share them with others. You will not grow as a Christian without the accountability and friendship of other believers. The music for this podcast series comes from one of my favorite singer-songwriters, Sandra McCracken. With her song, He Walks With Me, off her record, God's Highway. You should really check it out. Well, God bless, and I pray that you will experience the joy and blessing of being a person of prayer.